Today's show is brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, sharing nothing but the best in whole grain nutrition and committed to their mission of good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. At last, again, we are back from a long little spring break here at Heritage. Uh, I'm just back, actually, from a little vacay outside of the country, and um, I was just in Norway for a week, which was lovely. And uh, you know, we were, I was just saying to uh, you know David, our engineer here, it seems like so much in the world has changed in just like a week. <laughs> and uh, but not you know, really. Yeah. <laughs> Well, a lot has changed. I mean, in the last, uh, since we've been on air here, about a month, you know, four weeks or so. And uh, it seems like every time you look away for a second, like 800 things happened in the news. It's <laughs> uh, exhausting. It's really crazy. And not just the news of politics, too, but also the news of media that's always changing. I mean, hey, you look away for a second and Lucky Peach Magazine has folded. Ooh, that's really sad. Really sad. Um but you know what? One thing that has seemed to be constant in the world of food and media and recipes and cookbooks uh, is one ingredient which my uh, the author today is calling the most important ingredient in the in the world, or the most important food. And uh, can anyone guess what that is? I'll have I'll have my <laughs> I'll have my author contributor. Oh, did you mean me? <laughs> sure. What do you think it is, David? Uh oh, god. The most important food. It's not pizza. Is it some but kind you can of put is it it some kind pizza. of grain staying in the Bob's Red Mill no, mentality? It's right? not. The most important food. You. It's not cheese. <laughs> it's eggs. Come on. Um, well done. Good guessing. <laughs> Good sound effects. So uh, we're talking about eggs today because my guest today is. Uh, has written a book called All About Eggs. It's the Lucky Peach All About Eggs book. It's written by the editors of, of like, Lucky Peach, including Rachel Kong, who's on the air right now. Rachel, how are you? Hi. Hello. I'm good, Kathy. Did you have eggs in Norway? I did have eggs, and I want to talk about... They, they seem to like um, the very dark orange pigmentation there. And I was reading Harold oh. McGee's little section in your book where he talks about different regions and different countries in Europe have different preferences about color. And I just noticed that they're very dark orange over there. So it, it was delicious, though. But, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah that's funny because um, usually it's like Scandinavia likes a paler yolk. Like when I was in I Iceland a couple of years ago, I saw, um, yeah, really well, pale yolks, maybe yeah. just... Because that's the way it was. <laughs> I was surprised when I read that. Maybe there's other countries that prefer dark, or maybe they changed their mind. Maybe so much has changed in the last few months that people just now I prefer mean, darker. You know, globalization. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Instagram has maybe they can do that. They can change you know, their mind. Yeah, like made everybody 
covet a darker yolk. Mm-hmm. The world is changing, like you said. Yeah, but you know what? Eggs are universal, and you really prove that in this book. Eggs are timeless, too. And, um, hey, they're not limited to just breakfast. Although, why do we have that notion in this country? And it seems to be only this country, or mostly this country's fault, for yeah. putting yeah. it in and that I corner. It's, it's, it's a very Western idea to mm-hmm. start with um, eggs for breakfast. And I don't, you know, we try to tackle that subject in the book. I should say that the book is not just authored by me. It's a big kind of compendium. There are a lot of different cookbook authors and contributors and recipes are sourced from everywhere because it's such a huge subject and I wanted to, you know, really get as many experts as experts. possible. Yeah. I, I, you know, I tried to hold back on the puns, but <laughs> sometimes they were, I just couldn't help it. I really love a pun. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's all over the place. Um, and thanks you. Thank you very much for including me as one of those contributors. It was delightful. Yeah. Um, very yeah. honored to contribute a couple of recipes there from Taiwanese uh, egg dishes. Um, yeah, do you want to talk about what you what your contributions are? Um, I believe there's the Taiwanese tea leaf eggs, the crackled, yes. marbled, sort of uh, stained with the broth, uh, hard-boiled eggs, and then there's also the oyster omelet, the ta- like just the quintessential Taiwanese oyster omelet. Um, I love, though, in this book, you really um, show how, how there are so many parallels in other countries and other cultures for, for very similar things. So you have side-by-side side here um, a shakshuka recipe with a Mexican uh, egg recipe that is almost like the same thing but with different spices. And then, you know, Taiwanese oyster omelet is very similar to the Hangtown Fry, which is an oyster mm-hmm. omelet in Western tradition. So, yeah, they're similar, but they're they're different. I think I just wanted to, yeah, I mean, um, talk about the ways in which we use eggs all over the world, and the ways in which, um, even though our cultures are so different, they might um, have a lot more similarities than you think mm-hmm. in the way that we cook and we eat eggs. So, so do you think, yeah. Rachel, that there's hope for like more world peace through this bridge, which is this universal bridge of egg appreciation? Yeah, absolutely. I this, think so. This book was really an attempt to yeah. try to bridge our cultural <laughs> divide <laughs> via egg. One at a, at a time. We can get yeah, there. Yeah, it also really celebrates you know the differences. So I, I wanted to highlight both the the similarities and the differences. Ooh. You know, like you were you were mm-hmm. mentioning the the oyster omelet that you have from Taiwan is kind of like the Hangtown Fry, but not at all really, right? Because mm-hmm. you uh, in the twi- the Taiwanese version, there's this crazy gloopy sauce that's yep. so good. It's drenched in it. <laughs> it's drenched in it, and um, you know we have a lot to learn from one another and another th- there's a lot yeah. that can be stolen i think Ooh. for good I, another thing that's different is that the taiwanese oyster omelet is not eating for breakfast i mean you could but it's yeah. sort of like a, a snack or whenever it'd um, be an intense breakfast i think just like super goopy <laughs> i think that's that sounds okay to me for breakfast. Yeah, that does. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, this book is also one of the last Lucky Peach cookbooks, which is super mm-hmm. sad because I know that mm-hmm. there was this series and you worked on also the sausage book. There was the um, Chinese cookbook, 101 Chinese recipe. Easy Asian recipes. Oops. Yeah. Sorry. 101 yeah. Easy 
Ugh. Asian recipes from Lucky Peach. And what else? So there's All About Eggs, and is that the end yeah. of the line? All About Eggs. Um, last year was the worst of Lucky Peach, and you had Chris and mm-hmm. me on your show, and um, and Peter Meehan had the cookbooks which were 101 Easy Asian and Power Vegetables came out in the fall, which is all about, like, vegetable cookery. That's a great book. Um, So is this Um, the last? Yeah. All About Eggs? Yeah, so this is is the last last one, you know. Um, Like I say in the book, you know, eggs will outlive us all. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think a little eulogy is in order here, because you've been, I mean, we know... Uh, a lot of folks know who David Chang is, uh, who co-founded this magazine, Lucky Peach, with Peter Meehan, veteran food writer. Um, Chris Ying worked on it for many years as the editor-in-chief. Um, you've been there as an editor since 2011. So you are very, um, you know, responsible for a lot of the the greatness that it, you know, and the great coverage that it, uh, that it did over the years. Um, and that... It's not just the coverage, though. It's that style that Lucky Peach has and that global awareness that is so unique. And it's it was just it's going to be missed very much. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that we all it was such a small staff. I joined on with issue two and we were always just trying to figure out how to do it. We had all never made a magazine before. <laughs> um, That's cool. Definitely never, you know, um didn't really know what we were doing in those first few years and maybe the whole time we were always kind of flying by the seat of our pants Mm -hmm. but I think that that made it something special and something different and yeah I mean I'm really proud of all the work that I did there and all the writers we got to showcase um, a lot of new voices too I think we um, were able to work with people who didn't necessarily have food writing backgrounds Mm -hmm. or who didn't, or sometimes chefs who didn't necessarily have writing, um, you know, like feel comfortable writing, we would help, help them sort of tease out their stories. So I think it was a very like diverse, uh, yeah, like set of, um, uh, content that we, we wound up getting to make. And that was really exciting. That's awesome. I always loved how Lucky Peach didn't treat like international foods, like this separate category to put off in the corner. It was always just, you know, always present. It was always not even an issue, not a, not a, yeah. not something to, yeah, even mention. Yeah, I think it helped there. that you know we were we were a very small staff, and um, a majority of us were Asian people, mm-hmm. and so it was never too weird when a different kind of food came up right like right. it was always um exciting and um we didn't think like oh this is a foreign thing it was kind of like uh yeah i mean i think that we had a, a diversity in voices yeah it was it was very global it didn't um it you know it didn't strike me as you know treating um it was like wasn't like about asian food but it was all about um um Asian food just not not as a weird category, I guess. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, do you think that there's any future for Lucky uh, Peach right now, or what do you think is going to happen? Oh yeah, I mean, I can't really. I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> I actually left in the fall before yeah. um, the the closure was announced. Um, but it's hard to say. I know that 
that it, there might be a future for it, and so I wouldn't I wouldn't um, lose all hope yet. But I but I'm not I'm not sure at this point. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Never say never. Exactly. So you left. It's in, very resilient. Mm-hmm. It could rise from the ashes. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> well, for now though, this book is a really great sort of last hurrah for the cookbook series. Um, but you also you you left in the fall because you're working you were working on not only this book but a novel, a first time um, novel for you. So that's very exciting. Congrats! You want Thanks. to tell yeah. us what it's called? <laughs> when are we? When we can get it? And yeah, it's crazy timing because you know I've been working on that novel for uh, something like I think I started it in 2010. So it. I really started it before I began at Lucky Peach, uh-huh. and um, the timing worked out in this crazy way where the egg book came out in April, uh-huh. April 4th, and my novel is about to come out July 11th. That's super exciting. Um, yeah, just within months of each other, uh, it's a bit of an insane time. And it's funny having to go from, you know, talking about eggs and... <laughs> egg facts to talking about um, fiction. <laughs> well, it's that's really a cool accomplishment. It's a multi-talented um, sort of brain you have there, tackling eggs, <laughs> juggling eggs, if you will, with um, with a little bit of romance, right? Goodbye Vitamin is the name of the, yeah. the novel, and uh, it deals with, um, uh, what was it, the protagonist is just a young sort of 20-something, or... She is a little... 30 years old, okay. and she essentially, it's just a, about a, a year in her life, she moves home to take care of her dad, who's sick with um, Alzheimer's, and she is sort of at a place in her life where she's also um, struggling to take care of herself, mm-hmm. not quite sure what's next for her in her life. So it's about that kind of year, like almost a, a gap year for her where mm. she's trying to sort things out. And meanwhile, Alzheimer's is taking over her dad's life. That's really, um, that sounds like a great uh, book that maybe a lot of people might relate to. Um, so definitely check that out. All of Goodbye Vitamin, July 3rd, you said? 11th. 11th. All right. Well, okay, we don't have to talk about both on this show, though. <laughs> so not to... Not to flip, scramble your brain too much, if you allow another pun. (laughs) It's great. We should squeeze in as many as possible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what's the most excellent recipe in this book, in your opinion, now that you're an expert? Oh, it's so hard. Of all experts. Kathy, it's hard to answer that question. I know. I mean, you probably, like, what if someone were like, what's your favorite food of Taiwan? (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I know. There's, it's your babies. It's your egg babies. Yeah. Um, yeah. At different moments, at, uh, you know, different times, I, I have different favorites. But um, one of my favorites through this whole process, like a really easy and quick dish to make that was really surprising to me and that I like um, cooking for people because it's really stunning looking is this Turkish dish called chilber. Oh. And it is poached eggs in a bed of garlicky yogurt with mm. chili butter drizzled on top. What? And so it's this very, like, soft, pillowy, um, kind of, it's just all, you know, like a soft mush, but it's really delicious. Mm. And if you sop it up with crusty bread or something, it's 
really good. And it's it's a nice dish to have for breakfast. You can make it while half asleep, you know. Mm. That's a and, new one for me. Yeah, it's really surprising because I, I just never had thought about putting eggs and yogurt together. But, you know, the Turkish people wow. <laughs> thought of it first. And, um, and it's really a delightful, very easy meal to make. It comes together in minutes. Awesome. Um, we're going to, um, we need to cut to a quick little break, but I want to talk about many more egg recipes that, that caught my mind and maybe we can squeeze some more out of you too, right after a look, little break here. Sure. Sure. Hey, it's Kathy Irway, the host of Eat Your Words. Today I'm here with Camilla Salisbury, author of Bob's Red Mill Everyday Gluten-Free Cookbook, 281 Delicious Whole Grain Recipes. We're going to get to the bottom of this gluten-free craze. So why aren't people eating gluten and what does gluten-free really mean? Well, there are two main reasons why um, people are deciding to go gluten-free these days. And the first one is really serious. It's for people who have celiac disease, and it's a pretty serious um, condition. But then there is also a growing number of people with gluten gluten intolerance or gluten sensitivity, and they're trying out um, gluten-free diets um, because they find that eating foods without gluten just makes them feel better. Okay, got it. But what actually makes something gluten-free? Well, what makes something gluten-free is essentially that it doesn't have any um, of the protein gluten in it. And a lot of people are surprised to learn that uh, many grains do not contain gluten, when in fact just a very small number of grains do. Does anyone offer truly gluten-free options? Um, Well, Bob's Red Mill really understands gluten-free options, um, and that means... They separate their grains um, during the manufacturing process, and so they're testing each batch at every step of the way for purity to ensure that it's gluten-free. So when it says on the package that it's gluten-free, you can be assured that it is gluten-free. All right, so gluten-free listeners out there craving some steel-cut oats can pick up a pack of Bob's Red Mill, and rest assured you're getting the real deal. Learn more about Bob's Red Mill and all the gluten-free products that they offer at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I just heard myself. I just put myself on a commercial break with me in the commercial. Um, (laughs) That was unexpected. Thanks, David, for not warning me about that. Um, Okay. So we're talking more about eggs with Rachel Kong. How are you? Still here? I'm I'm still good. Yeah, still good. Still here. (laughs) Awesome. So, okay, you were just talking about a um, Turkish dish with eggs and yogurt. Uh-huh. Um, I wanted to bring up some interesting eggs that really caught my eye because this is a lot of egg recipes. And um, I have to also say I've always wanted a book like this because, you know, everything's just tied by one very simple, very easy ingredient, which is eggs. But they're sort of in the forefront rather than, you know, a cake, which is, you know, of course, a cake has eggs. But um, yeah, there are so many dishes around the world with eggs in the forefront. Um, they're fun names, too. So there's quick, quick. Um, it's uh-huh. just like deep fried quail eggs that look amazing. Um, how did you find yeah, out from the Philippines? Mm-hmm. And they're sort of like scotch eggs because you, you peel them, but instead of putting like a sausage patty, which is what they do, um, with the scotch eggs and then frying them, 
Um, it sort of just has a like a light, um, beautiful looking batter around it, and then there. Yeah, it's oh, it's stick. a very bright orange batter um, that's colored with annatto seeds, um, and yeah, you can get them. We mentioned they're quail eggs, so they're mm-hmm. they're these tiny yeah, little eggs. Like on a and stick. They usually sell them on a stick. Yeah, in the Philippines. That's and beautiful. They're kind of street food, and you dip them in a, a spicy sauce. Um, I just I never would have imagined there's so many so many crazy preparations of eggs that are. I mean, not crazy. Is that crazy? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> they're decadent. I mean, yeah. I yeah, I tried to. Um, figure out the different patterns of egg behavior, I guess, egg mm-hmm. cooking behavior. Yeah. So well, we have different up. chapters on mm-hmm. things um, like the quack quack, I feel, and the scotch egg belong to this category of egg cookery that's really decadent. Mm-hmm. You know, we like to do things like deep fry eggs and um, devil them and um, cover them in mayonnaise. There's just something about the egg that lends itself to excess and that, you know, um, really makes us want to, like, gild the lily, as it were. Yeah. And then there's also the preserving eggs. So there's lots of pickled eggs here and sort of stu- uh, stained and dyed eggs. Um there's a you have a pickopolis pickled egg duck egg uh-huh. recipe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so pickopolis is uh, is um, uh, a man named David Barber in Portland, Oregon, who pickles. Yeah, just all manner of things. He's a big pick a pickler, and he he's a told big me that pickler. He, yeah, he he pickled um, duck eggs in some like leftover pickled peppers essentially and then they were delicious you know they were just peck. like a sorry he picked a peck of pickled peppers and then yeah. pickled the duck eggs <laughs> and, yeah. a big and he also he, he also sells those duck eggs on a stick at the farmer's market so no eggs on a stick was a surprising thing for me to yeah. learn about yeah, that's the me too. Um, and you also have the salted duck eggs and the century eggs, which are traditional Chinese pre- uh, preparations of egg that I never even thought too much about them. Like it, it's just sort of like a seasoning. Sometimes it's used as like a little little panache. You just add a little bit in the end. But you actually have um, a cool, you know, lots of recipes for that. So there's even like a spicy basil and century egg stir fry recipe. You yeah, should try that. It's so good. That looks really good. And it's really good. So for anyone who hasn't seen century eggs, they turn a totally different appearance. Um, they, the skins or the whites turn translucent black. And um, Yeah. There are these eggs that are um, basically soaked or covered in like an alkaline solution, and that causes the eggs to turn, I don't know what, what do you describe that color as? It's like kind of darkish black. The yolk brown. is like gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. They, they're crazy looking. And it's something that I also, um, coming from a Chinese family, didn't really think too much about. Like they were something that my mom would put into her congee. Congee, yeah. Um, and that is kind of weird tasting, but didn't strike me as too weird. But I remembered, you know, while making this book, that they are pretty foreign to mm. people 
and, who have never encountered them before. They're very alien looking. And frightening, too. I found that uh, a lot of people find that crazy in, in a bad way. But <laughs> yes, yes. I think that I mean, what can you do? Um, they haven't quite swept America <laughs> yet. But maybe, maybe one day soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love how you have um, some recipes for things that we don't really think of as eggs being the main ingredient, but they are. So like for mm-hmm. souffle, for example, people think of cheese or maybe chocolate, but that's really just whipped egg whites, right? Uh, you can't do it otherwise. Or um, mm-hmm. uh, potato espanol, uh, sorry, tortilla espanol. Um, which is the potato omelet um, known in many tapas bars as a quintessential snack. And um, yeah. and matzo bride too, which is a similar type of thing where it's like sort of shaped um, by eggs. It's bound together by eggs in matzah or potatoes in either yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. So it's a binder. Um, um, yeah, I mean, eggs are so central to... I mean, like, yeah, yeah, and also they they just turn a food into something substantial. They are, you know, like a really cheap and easy protein to use. So, like, I think that's why I make a case for them being more than just a breakfast food in this book. Because, you know, like, especially um, in a lot of other cultures, they just scramble some eggs with, you know, say, tomato or another vegetable and there you have dinner like a Mm -hmm. a nice side dish for dinner stir fry yeah um Mm -hmm. how do you feel about egg replacement substitute newfangled sort of trends around that um of course you know i'm not really just talking about egg beaters but there's been newer developments like fava bean foam being used there's this whole like sort of craze around that um being Um, used to create a mayonnaise liquid yeah, like fava bean protein is being used now, and then they yeah, create this fava nays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they use, um, it's kind of recent, I guess, like chickpea liquid Pea or proteins, any, I think yeah. any, other, any kind of legume, you can use the the liquid, and they call it aquafaba. Oh, that's what I'm talking and about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you can, it's interesting because you can use it like an egg white, and it foams Crazy, up like a right? meringue. Mm-hmm. Which is really crazy, um, but you know it, it's different from an egg. It actually it has a beany flavor. Mm. Um, there's a piece in in the book all about egg replacements, and you know if you're baking and you don't want to use an egg, you can use different substitutes, things like applesauce and vegan baking or flax seeds, and they all do different things that an egg can do, but none of them do all of the things that an egg does. Right, yeah. So you can separate the egg and break it apart and try to find replacements for each thing, but you're never going to have, like, fo- like something that has both parts, like the white and the yolk. and Yeah, yeah. and just that perfect, like, suspension of it. I think, yeah, it's hard to improve on the egg. It's already a perfect package. Although I hear that they're, you know, working on that whole egg I replacement. Bet. yeah. Um, but I have not really delved too deeply into into that. <laughs> we'll see. I guess yet to be discovered. Um, so, how did you find all the contributors for this book? Because there's like a lot. There's um, I have, how many recipes are in here total? It seems like around a hundred. Um, you know, I should know this answer, but it kept changing. Oh. I had to keep cutting <laughs> recipes to oh, no. fit them into the book. Um, I think we started out with over a hundred, and now yeah. it might be something like eighty six. Or wow. 87. 
But, um, yeah, the contributors, I had worked with a lot of them before mm. um, through Lucky Peach Magazine. And um, yeah, that was how I got to know a lot of them. Some it's of them, you know, had been my list. interview subjects okay. while working at the magazine. So, like, Deborah Madison I met through writing a profile on her. And Dory Greenspan I met through also writing a piece on her. So there are some... Um, cookbook authors that I had been a fan of for a long time and, you know, it was a delight to ask them to be part of the book. And then, um, yeah, and then just people whose work I admired, I just reached out, you know, like like Kathy Irway of (laughs) (laughs) The Food of Taiwan. It's so cool. You have such a great mix. There's like Padma Lakshmi, there's... um... You know. Yeah, her recipe is great. She has an egg curry recipe, and it's funny because she says it's such a simple recipe, but it has like <laughs> over that. twenty ingredients. <laughs> <I saw> that. <laughs> <laughs> but she was like, "That's what my mom would make in the morning when she was bored, yeah. lazy." Um, yeah. <laughs> there's like she Jacques just, like, Pepin. Really shows her work ethic, I guess. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> true. No, it's amazing list of folks you have contributing. So it's really exciting. There's all over the world, right? So there's Jacques Pepin. You got you know Chef Mike Anthony. Um, uh, I just, I can't even, Harold McGee. Um, McGee, Adam Goldner wrote a great piece about pinamu eggs, which are these like shiny, weird eggs. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, I love all the little essays in throughout it. So there's not, not just recipes, there's just like these little history tidbits. So the Fabergé egg story was really interesting. Um, yeah. How somebody found one of the lost Fabergé eggs from the Russian czar and um, was able to uh, uh, confirm its its uh, identity or authentic- authenticity and uh, made uh, who knows what a killing on it just by yeah. uh, coming across this artifact that was um, so gilded and uh, missing in the world. Um, yeah, eggs in all sort of which ways are explored in this book. Um, that must have been... Did you have fun doing this? It was a lot of fun, yeah. I mean, it's 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 pretty hard making a book, as you know, but mm-hmm. um, it was fun to work on it as a team. I had a great mm. team of people at Lucky Peach, and also just getting to work with the contributors was a real dream. So, nice. yeah, in the end, I'm really... Um, Look back, look back on the experience fondly. Mm-hmm. I just love the variety in this book. I think it's a killer book. And I'm curious, what's next for you now that uh, you have two books coming out at, like within two months of each other? <laughs> Double whammy. Yeah. What, I, well, you know, I'm actually, as you were calling me, I was working on a piece about oysters. So I'm doing a little bit of freelancing. Um, I'm also working on my next novel. Um, so, yeah, I'm just do, uh, doing doing a lot of writing awesome. and um and a lot of cooking oh i also have i should actually plug this um a book coming out next year with short stack editions oh awesome yeah that's about love that. cabbage cabbage that's yeah that's great awesome so we'll look out for that one i love that series um i don't I can't i can't believe they didn't do a cabbage one yet that's really cool <laughs> I know. I was uh, really excited when I um, realized that they hadn't done one. They've done a kale book, but not a cabbage book. And I kind of think, I mean, I like cabbage a lot more than I like kale. They're both up there, but. That should be fun. I definitely want to check that one out. All right. Well, I guess that's about all the time we have for today. But thank you so much, Rachel, for being our guest today. Yeah. Thank Um, you for having me. It was really fun. Yeah. It's great to be back here. So we'll see you next week also on Eat Your Words. 
took it so slow. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.